Okay, everybody, it is Tuesday, April 11th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. This is the place where we bring you just the facts and reread all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. There's a lot of news to get to on this Tuesday, so let's get started. We'll have the latest from Kentucky, the site of the latest mass shooting in America. We're learning more details today on those top secret Pentagon documents that leaked over the last month, what they tell us about the war in Ukraine. The famous religious leader, the Dalai Lama, is apologizing for a bizarre and concerning incident with a young child. The FBI has a new memo out saying, hands off those public cell phone charging stations or risk being hacked. There are some new developments in that legal fight over the abortion pill. And finally, we do have some good news today about artificial intelligence and what AI could do for our health. Of course, I'll also end today with On This Day in History on this April 11th. All right, unfortunately, we start today with the latest mass shooting in America, this one at a bank in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. A gunman at Old National Bank in the Kentucky capital killed at least five people, including two friends of the governor, and wounded at least eight others on Monday. Officials have identified the mass shooter as Connor Sturgeon. They said he was either a former or current employee of Old National Bank. Sturgeon, who's 25, worked most recently as a portfolio banker. He also worked there for three summers as an intern. His motive, still unclear. The Louisville Metro Police Department said the killer entered the bank around 8.30 a.m. before it had opened to the public and started firing. Employees scrambled. Police in Louisville arrived as gunshots were still being fired inside the bank and exchanged fire with the shooter. One of the leaders at the Louisville Metro Police Department said it's not clear whether the shooter then killed himself or was shot by officers. Authorities believe he was operating on his own and had a connection to the bank, but they are still working on a motive as of Monday evening. I mentioned that two of the victims were friends with the governor of Kentucky, Steve Bashir. Here's the governor talking about it on Monday. This is awful. I have a very close friend that didn't make it today. And I have another close friend who didn't either, and one who's at the hospital that I hope is, is going to make it through. So when we talk about praying, I hope people will. For those that we are hoping can make it through the surgeries that they're going through, and then we've got to do what we have done these last three years after everything. We've got to wrap our arms around these families. And to everybody who needs it, don't be afraid to get some help. Our bodies and our minds are not meant to go through these types of tragedies. And so I hope that all the brave officers that stepped into the line of fire, that are worried about one of their fellow officers, will reach out for help when they need it. We should add here that Bashir actually used to work in that bank building itself, is a customer of that bank. He happens to be now the second governor in just a couple of weeks to lose personal friends in a mass shooting. The governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, and his wife lost a family friend in that Nashville school shooting two weeks ago. The Kentucky governor, Bashir, by the way, is a Democrat who is in favor of some gun control measures. However, he does govern the state of Kentucky, where Republicans do have a supermajority in the legislature, meaning they can override any of his vetoes. And so far, Bashir noted that the Republicans have not expressed any interest when it comes to more aggressive background checks or any other measures that gun reform advocates have been calling for. We learned late Monday the identity of the five victims. They were all employees of Old National Bank. Joshua Barrick, 40 years old, Thomas Elliott, 63 years old, Juliana Farmer, 45, James Tutt, 64, and Deanna Eckert, 57. 
Among those critically wounded late on Monday, we heard from the hospital, includes Nicholas Wilt, a 26-year-old recent graduate of the police academy who was part of the law enforcement response. He now requires brain surgery. He just graduated from the police academy just a couple weeks ago. Of the other eight victims brought to the hospital, three have already been released as of Monday afternoon. Three remained at the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries, and two others besides Officer Wilt were critically wounded and have already required operations. We'll keep updating the latest over at the Mo News Instagram account, at Mosh, at M-O-S-H-E-H. Now to the latest in the leaked national security and intelligence documents scandal. As the Pentagon assesses how classified top-secret documents about military and intelligence matters got on social media over the last month, media outlets are now already going through the verified ones that have been out there. And this is what we're learning so far. One of the major headlines, Ukrainian forces more than a year into the war are in much more dire straits than their government or the U.S. government has acknowledged. The documents show that without an influx in more weapons and ammunition, the air defense system that has kept the Russian Air Force at bay may soon collapse, allowing the Russian president, Putin, to unleash his fighter jets in ways that could change the course of the war. The documents also show that Ukraine's challenges in massing troops, ammunition, equipment could cause its military to fall well short of their original goals of this anticipated counteroffensive they were hoping to launch this spring to retake Russian-occupied areas. Keep in mind, the Russians still control about 15% of Ukraine, about the size of Maryland. Many of these documents labeled top secret offer a bleak assessment from early February, warning of significant force generation and sustainment shortfalls, and the likelihood that the Ukrainian operation will only make modest gains. Now, what's notable about all of this is that it's a major departure from what the Biden administration has been saying publicly about the vitality of Ukraine's military, and it's likely to reinforce critics who feel that U.S. and NATO should do more at this point to push for a negotiated settlement to the conflict, as opposed to allowing Zelensky here to continue the war. There have been those who say it's time for a compromise, even though it's not fair, and Russia invaded and took territory here, that given the state of affairs, especially what these documents reveal, that it's time to just figure out a settlement here. What's interesting about all of this is that the material here reinforces the idea that U.S. intelligence actually has a better idea of what's going on inside Russia as opposed to inside the Ukrainian military, there is an indication based on some of these documents that Ukraine is not being totally transparent with the U.S. in terms of everything that it's up to. Now, unfortunately, with these revelations, it might mean that Russia reassesses here and the U.S. intelligence services might not be as plugged in as they have been, as it's now clear to the Russians that the U.S. is deeply inside its operation. It knows of everything happening in real time. So clearly Putin here has a reassessment to do in terms of his own operations. At the same time, though, this does help Putin because he's learned a lot about what's going on in Ukraine and their weaknesses. And that's just a bit of what we're learning here. The documents also showcase how the U.S. is spying on allies like the South Koreans like the Israelis, etc. So there's a lot of documents. We'll be going into it further in the Instagram account, but uh, stay tuned throughout the week as we reveal more in terms of the investigation into how this leak happened and the impact these documents are having. All right, we have a lot more to get to in the podcast, including the speed read. But first, want to thank a couple of our sponsors this week. I'll begin with Athletic Greens. I've been using their AG1 supplement since the fall. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning, easy, quick, and lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support digestion 
and your gut health with your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of the AG1 powder. You can head over right now to athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. That's where you can get either a discounted monthly subscription or try it for just one month. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash monews for this special deal for the listeners right here. And it gives you really an opportunity to really start to take ownership over your health. All right, now time for the speed read. We're going to start with the latest on the Dalai Lama scandal from the Reuters news agency. The Dalai Lama, the Tibetan's 87-year-old spiritual leader, apologized yesterday after footage showed him asking a young boy to, quote, suck my tongue at a public event. You might have seen this video clip circulating recently, a recent public meeting where the Dalai Lama is on a stage and he asks a young boy to come up to the front. The Dalai Lama calls him on stage, motions to his cheek, says, first here, according to a live translation of the event. The boy obliges and gives him a kiss on the cheek. The Dalai Lama then offers a hug and continues holding on to the boy. The Dalai Lama then motions to his lips, saying, I think here also. He cups the boy's chin and kisses him on the mouth as the audience laughs and applauds. That's when the Dalai Lama, after pausing again, adds, suck my tongue, sticks out his tongue. The boy slowly moves his head closer to the Dalai Lama's, but appears only at that point to touch his forehead before withdrawing. For obvious reasons, this video has gotten outrage around the world that forced the Dalai Lama to put out a statement on Monday saying, quote, His Holiness wishes to apologize to the boy and his family, as well as many friends across the world, for the hurt his words may have caused. The statement then adds that the Dalai Lama, quote, often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, even in public and before cameras. He regrets the incident. The current Dalai Lama is the best-known living Buddhist figure in the world. The identity of the boy is not known. He was at an event for the M3M Foundation. It's a philanthropic arm of an Indian real estate company. It's based in the same town in India where the Dalai Lama permanently lives in exile. In response to the incident, a prominent Indian child rights organization said it condemns all forms of child abuse and adds, quote, some news refers to Tibetan culture about showing tongue, but this video is certainly not about any cultural expression. And even if it is, such cultural expressions are not acceptable. All right, now back here in the U.S. from the Washington Post, the mother of a six-year-old boy who shot a teacher at a Virginia school back in January has now been criminally charged in connection with the case. 25-year-old Deja Taylor is facing one felony count of child neglect and one misdemeanor count of recklessly leaving a firearm so as to endanger a child. She was the owner of the 9mm handgun that her six-year-old boy used to shoot his teacher in Newport News, Virginia. The boy brought the gun to school in a backpack on January 6th and shot his first grade teacher, Abigail Zwerner, as she taught at the Newport News Richneck Elementary School. Zwerner has now recovered from her injuries and is back at home. This case is one of a small number nationally where a student younger than the age of 10 has shot someone at school. There are no plans to charge the child, and many people were awaiting the charging of the mother in this case. An attorney for the boy's family did not immediately respond to the lawsuit, but said previously in an interview that the gun was stored with a trigger lock and placed on the top shelf of the mother's bedroom closet. They say it is unclear how the boy accessed the weapon. Separately, the teacher, Zwerner, is suing the school, claiming administrators failed to act on multiple warnings that the boy had a gun or had made threats on the day he shot the teacher. She filed a $40 million lawsuit last week accusing the school's former assistant principal, former principal, and former superintendent of gross negligence. 
All right, now to the latest on the abortion pill fight from NPR. The Justice Department on Monday appealed a Texas court ruling that would halt the approval of the most commonly used method of abortion in the U.S., calling the decision extraordinary and unprecedented. The request from the Biden administration to the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals was filed just days after conflicting court decisions over the legality of the abortion medication Mifepristone. Those rulings in Texas and Washington state, respectively, have now put in doubt access to the drug that has been widely available since the year 2000. The U.S. District Court judge down in Texas, Matthew Kaczmarek, he was an appointee of former President Trump, issued his decision on Friday, but ruled that it would not take effect for seven days, anticipating this appeal. The Biden administration, in its filing with the appellate court, which is a level above him, said the Texas court's ruling should remain on hold while it appeals, even if that takes until it gets to the Supreme Court. Now, keep in mind, mifepristone is widely used across the U.S. to end pregnancy in the first 10 weeks of gestation. About half of all abortions nationwide are performed using the pill as part of a two-pill regimen. Beyond abortions, the drug is also used for other women's health procedures, including it's used to help manage miscarriages. The Justice Department wrote in its appeal that if it's allowed to take effect, the court's order from that judge in Texas would thwart FDA scientific judgment and severely, quote, harm women, particularly those for whom mifepristone is a medical or practical necessity. Now, Kaczmarek's decision came at nearly the same time on Friday that a separate federal judge in the state of Washington directed U.S. authorities not to make any changes to the access to mifepristone in 17 states where Democrats had sued to keep it. Do you have these conflicting court decisions? That usually means that this will escalate to the Supreme Court. One of the arguments that the government is making is that the FDA is full of medical experts who approved the use of mifeprestone 23 years ago, back in the year 2000, and more than 100 studies at this point have shown that the drug is safe. One of the concerns the government has here is that this could set a precedent that judges individually could overrule decisions by the FDA. And so all the drugs that are approved by the FDA, they're concerned that this will lead to a new system where a non-medical judge could potentially overrule the judgment of the FDA. So there's a lot of implications here in this case. All right, now to a bit of tech news, a tech warning for all of you from CNBC. The FBI is warning consumers against using those free public charging stations for your cell phone, saying that crooks have managed to hijack public chargers that can infect devices with malware or software that can give hackers access to your phone, tablet, or computer. The FBI Denver field office tweets out that we should all avoid free charging stations at places like airports, hotels, and shopping centers. The tweet goes on to say that, quote, bad actors have figured out ways to use public USB ports to introduce malware and monitoring software onto devices, carry your own charger and USB cord, and use an electrical outlet instead. On its website, the FBI offers a similar warning. This bulletin from the FBI office in Denver did not point to any recent instances of consumer harm from what's called juice jacking, but this is something that has been known about for a few years. The FCC, another federal agency, has also warned about juice jacking, first warning about this malware loading scheme about two years ago. The FCC at the time warned that consumer devices like your phone, like your computer, with compromised USB cables can be hijacked through software that can then siphon off your usernames and passwords. So just be aware of those public USB charging stations. All right, finally now, a piece of positive news about artificial intelligence from the Wall Street Journal. We often tell you on this podcast about concerns about AI and uh, the technology run amok, but the Wall Street Journal has a new story out today on some of the very cool medical breakthroughs associated with AI. 
A team over at Johns Hopkins University Hospital in Baltimore is working on AI technology that will identify stroke patients by facial characteristics instead of waiting for brain scans or blood tests. This will help speed up both treatment and recovery. A team over there at Johns Hopkins is training a computer algorithm to recognize changes in stroke patients' facial features, such as the paralysis of certain very small facial muscles or unusual eye movements. Those changes might indicate damage to the brain from a stroke as opposed to seizures, severe migraines, or anxiety disorders. So this technology could potentially really help doctors to identify if you had a stroke or some other ailment. So that's what's happening down in Baltimore. Other researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, are looking at facial recognitions to diagnose the progression of ALS. That's the nerve disease that affects the muscles. And then separate from them, a Florida-based startup has developed a tool to help pediatricians diagnose rare genetic conditions by analyzing images of children's facial features. Some of these early research efforts point to a future in which facial scans, perhaps embedded in our smartphone cameras or a bathroom mirror, might monitor our general health and our face while also picking up long-term neurological ailments such as dementia. Some researchers believe that AI might even be used to track how well a treatment or drug is working by, again, detecting changes in your face. Now, most of the experts here quoted in the Wall Street Journal story say that these technologies won't be ready for widespread use until doctors and their patients can assess how facial recognition algorithms make decisions with patient data so that humans can then better trust their outcomes. One doctor at this point called it more of a tool than a cure, but still pretty remarkable stuff. And if this technology you know, is able to be implemented in the coming decades, you could literally be diagnosed by your cell phone or the mirror in your bathroom. All right, now time for On This Day, on this April 11th. We're going to start in 1947. On this day, Jackie Robinson took the field for the Brooklyn Dodgers in an exhibition match between the Dodgers and the Yankees, becoming the first black player to play in Major League Baseball. Just a few days later, he would play his first regular season game when the Dodgers played against the Boston Braves. All right, fast forward a couple of years to 1951. President Harry Truman on this day fired General Douglas MacArthur as the commander of all UN and US forces in Korea. Now, this is remarkable because MacArthur was a national hero helping to have won World War II. He was leading the Allied efforts in the Korean War at the time. But MacArthur had made statements saying he wanted to attack China, potentially using nuclear weapons against China to ensure they could keep the Korean Peninsula democratic. The last thing Truman wanted was a wider war in Asia or a war against China. So he fired MacArthur. But just to show you how popular MacArthur was at the time, the Democratic Congress at that time, Truman was a Democrat, invited MacArthur to address a joint session. That's where he gave the famous words that, quote, old soldiers never die. They just fade away. Truman was very unpopular after this firing. But years later, people would find out what the implications would have been about getting China involved in the war and potentially using nuclear weapons again. All right, one other major international story that happened on this day. We're going to fast forward to 1998. This week, 25 years ago, the Good Friday Agreement was signed in Northern Ireland. President Biden will actually be in Ireland, Northern Ireland, this week to commemorate the anniversary. The deal brought an end to 30 years of conflict in Northern Ireland that was known for many years as the Troubles. The origin of those issues, Northern Ireland was created in 1921 and remained a part of the UK when the rest of Ireland, the rest of the island, became an independent state. So this was a split in the population between what was called the Unionists, who wished to see Northern Ireland stay within the UK. They were Protestants. Then there were the Nationalists, mostly Catholic, who wanted Northern Ireland to be a part of the Republic of Ireland. 
That led for many years to bombings, shootings, terror attacks. Finally, in the late 90s, they came to a compromise between the two sides that kept Northern Ireland as part of the UK. And many diplomats point to the peace agreement as an example of proper diplomacy, where both sides get a bit of what they want and aren't necessarily happy with everything in the agreement, but it does end the armed conflict. All right, finally, we'll end with a bit of pop culture here. On this day, 40 years ago, you might recognize this song. That's the most popular song from the Flash Dance soundtrack, turning 40 years old today. It's big pippin', baby. And finally, today, April 11th, marks 23 years since Big Pimpin' by Jay-Z came out on this day in the year 2000. All right, I want to thank all of you for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Please follow us or subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. we got a couple extras coming up for you in the next couple of weeks. Also, give us a review in the App Store. It ensures we continue to grow. So grateful for all your reviews on whatever app you listen to us on. And don't forget to follow us over at Instagram at the Mo News Instagram account at Mosh at M-O-S-H-E-H. I'll see everyone back here tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.